This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a podcast and radio show for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we're back on the phone line, Father. It's good to see you last week. It was good to see you. So, uh, as always, before we get into today's topic, uh, just a reminder that that we love feedback. Email me, cbergwald at scatholic.org, C-B-U-R-G. W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Any questions you have about this or past episodes of Ignition, any ideas for future episodes, uh, future topics, topics for future episodes of Ignition, send them my way. We are always happy to get listener feedback and ideas for future episodes. I also want to mention, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, (laughs) Yeah, never mind. Um, So we're we're here recording, uh, I guess, the the second half now of September, Um, looking ahead a couple months at the end of November. Father, we're going to be wrapping up the year of faith. Um, And uh, of course, we... (laughs) Uh, I, I don't know if you have this experience yet or not, but but I've, I'm always clear with people because so, some people have honestly asked, um, you know, a maybe what's next? Is there another year of faith or another year of something? And there's nothing defined. Uh, but also, you know, jokingly, the, the faith does not end with the year of faith. Obviously, we're, we're to continue. And Father, there's a metaphor that you used last fall when we were getting into this, uh, into the year of faith. You you described uh, the year of faith as boot camp for the new evangelization. I really like. Liked that image, um, and I think it's an apt one to understand that the idea, Benedict's idea, and then Francis's idea, and continuing now, I think that for this year of faith is to launch us into the next phase of the new evangelization. Would that be a, a fair synopsis of the image? Yeah, uh, the point of the faith is it's to be shared. Exactly. So, so now that we hopefully, and there's still time, maybe, boy, this year of faith has gone by quickly and I haven't done much. That's all right. Uh, by the grace of God, literally, um, uh, there is no time like the present. So if, 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 if there's something you meant to do, maybe pray a little bit more, read the catechism a little more, read scripture a little bit more, uh, somehow to deepen your faith, maybe pray the act of faith or the creed, uh, that or something else, uh, Again, don't don't be concerned that it's there's only a couple months to go. Um, now is always a good day to to begin growing more deeply in our faith life. Uh, and, and what we want to do, and oh, I should also mention, um, looking ahead to the end of next month, here in our diocese, Sioux Falls, so this applies for anybody in our diocese or within, uh, well, any distance, but probably reasonable driving distance, at the end of October, we're having a, con- a conference on the new evangelization, Encountering Jesus Christ and sharing him with others. It's a, it's a two-day event in the sense that it's going for two days, but Friday is particularly for clergy uh, and, and those involved with catechesis and really parish staff in general. Saturday, though, is for general laity. We'll have activities for kids as well, so trying to make this a family-friendly event. We'll have Curtis Martin, founder of Focus, Jeanette DeMello, who is the uh, editor for National Catholic Register, and a couple other great speakers as well. Um, so you'll definitely want to consider that. Check out the website, sfcatholic.org slash encounter jc father uh i don't do advertisements very often maybe maybe we should do that more what do you think uh probably probably yeah any yeah great thing to know about great thing to know about and and just in general maybe we'll come up to something some advertising for something else come to the newman center at brookings i don't know (laughs) so 
this year of faith again, idea of a boot camp, uh, engaging in the new evangelization. Uh, Father and I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some ideas on on on, on challenges that, that are, I think, particularly present in, in our country uh, when it comes to challenge uh, evangelizing our culture. Um, Father, why don't you get us started with the to- t- today's topic? Gladly. Yeah, so um, challenges. So, you know, uh, all right, you're a Catholic. You want to spread uh, and share your relationship with Jesus Christ. How do you do it? And what are the things that maybe that are getting in the way of, of how we do that? And, and so this, uh, this, uh, this edition of this episode of Ignition might be a little more uh, brainiac in some ways, although we're always kind of nerdy, right? That's true. That's true. Um, but uh, a little more uh, larger picture sort of things, just to kind of help you understand uh, kind of uh, the culture, the 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 climate, you know, the way things are like, you know, and uh, when I want to go out for a run, because um, I'm foolish, when I go out, when I go out yes. for a run, uh, I I need to check the weather, okay, see where the wind's coming from, what's the temperature out, right? If it's cold, you know, I want to run certain directions first, yada, yada, yada. Um, same thing if we're going to be spreading and sharing the faith. If we want to be well-equipped, we have to know um, the people and the times that we're talking to. Absolutely. At an even more mundane level, if you're going to evangelize in our country, you need to speak English. Well, here, at least. Yes. And then, you know, just, I mean, being aware of the <laughs> uh, what's going on the ground level. Absolutely. Right. So what is that worldview, maybe, in a certain sense? So, um, and so, Dr. Bergwald and I just want to f- maybe focus in on two issues in this way. One would be um, kind of the death of uh, and the despising of uh, the intellectual life and thinking about the nature or the essence of things. And then secondly, uh, about how our culture has done a great job of uh, de-Christianizing and secularizing through imagination. Right. Right. So uh, just to put those, each of those in, in, in a shorter, uh, shorter description than jumping each individually, uh, we say like a lack of the intellectual life or disregard for the intellectual life or thinking about the nature or essence of things. Uh, take a moment, uh, dear listeners, and think about love. Okay? Just think... You're thinking, all right. Thinking. Okay. Pause. Pause. Uh, pause it. Uh, if you can, unless you're on the radio, then don't pause it. All right. <laughs> right now, probably many of us would think about, uh, you know, tangible things of love. You know, the sight of the beloved, uh, the smell of her perfume, uh, the feel of the stubble on his cheeks, or things like that. But we may not think about love in its essence of choosing the good of another. Okay, and we're kind of just trained to think. Our culture is trained us to think more in one way than the other. And then we talk about uh, how the imagination, uh, the culture uses the imagination to, to really deform our appetites. Okay, that we have such a an emphasis in our culture, especially uh, you've heard the phrase maybe before, listeners, of a consumer. Uh, culture that we live in. We're so focused on consumption, whether it's consumption through our eyes, consumption through our mouth, consumption through our ears, consumption through uh, uh, whatever else. We're kind of focused so much on consuming, taking things in in that way, um, that even just forms our, our outlook on life. And so that's where we want to go, Dr. Bergwald. 
Absolutely, you know. So, with the first point, Father, the 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 one of the great ironies of of the anti intellectual nature of our culture to me is the fact that what. <laughs> One of the charges made against, uh, well, I think Christians in general, certainly including Catholics, though, by by secularists, for lack of a better word, right now, uh, is is that we are anti-intellectual. That you know, oh, you, you know, you just superstition and and uh, you you check your brain at the church door or something like that. Uh, where, in point of fact, the, the the fact of the matter rather is that that. It's it's precisely with the advent of of secularism and and at least Christian faith being and faith in general being pushed from the public square from from what's allowable in public life, public discourse, public conversation. Uh, it, it's with that that pushing aside that the that this rise of anti intellectualism has occurred. You know, historically, if you go back a couple centuries with the Enlightenment in Europe, um, great the, the, a great uh, movement. Um, among philosophers first, but really spread throughout throughout European culture and civilization, to to exalt the human intellect and the power of the human intellect, and 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 we need to throw off the shackles of of, of medieval superstition and and the dark ages, etc. But with that divorce between faith and reason, reason has in turn lost lost its. Uh, its power, in in a sense, at least the the way that it's used by many people in our day and age. So it, we, we've talked, to Father, I think about this before. But John Paul II, blessed John Paul II, uh, wrote an encyclical in the late '90s, "Faith and Reason," and he talked about how it's on on the the two wings of faith and reason that the human spirit soars to knowledge of the world in which we live and to knowledge of ourself, of our own selves, of what of what it means to be human. And, and so it's and it's not just. Catholics or other Christian philosophers or theologians who have pointed this out, even some secular uh, thinkers. Uh, there's a German philosopher, Jürgen Habermas, uh, who I believe has, has written on this as well, that, that, that reason needs faith in order for it to be true to itself, in order for it to not lose its own innate power. Does that make sense? Very, very much so. You can have it lose its legs to stand on. Exactly. You know, yep. So, so there's, you know, <laughs> so now we're living in a time when there's, and a lot of people, again, this is not just something that, that, that nerdy Catholics and other Christians lament, but a lot of people lament the fact that Americans don't seem to be able to think very well. Um, you know, we, we, and, and we'll get into the second issue, but they're very much related. We respond to stimuli. Uh, very quickly, because we're not engaging our intellect. Uh, at least to me, Father, that's that's one of the major ways in which we see this sort of anti-intellectualist bent. Is there anything else that that you see or that comes to mind when talking about how our culture uh, has has sort of devolved into an anti-intellectualist approach? Yeah, well, I, I was thinking of this in terms of working with my college students here. I'm teaching a class to them each week on defending the Catholic faith and. Uh, we talked a bit both about uh, we talked about thinking and, and the using this higher intellectual side of our capacity. Um, uh, in our first week, and again this last week, when we talked about the existence of God, we talked about the existence of God from reason alone. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we talked about in that is, um, as I'm talking about the proof of God from reason alone, I'm seeing some blank faces. You know, and uh, uh, it's it's a late at night class. It's nine thirty at night when we do this, um, but still, they're college students. They should have some. Absolutely. Energy in that. 
And so I just kind of said, well, okay, let's stop for a moment again. So let's go back to imagination versus intellectual. And imagination focuses on the senses, right, and the appetites and things like that, which are and, and those sorts of desires, whereas our intellect and its fullness in this way goes to higher things. And that when we use the example of love, like I uh, did for you, or even just talking about freedom, right, and I, I preached about this in my Sunday homily, what is freedom, right? Um, is freedom simply just the ability to do what I want? Well, if so, then that freedom can be taken away by chains or prison bars or an injury, uh, all sorts of things. But if we think of freedom as that right relationship with God to do what I want, right, or to do what I should do, to be able to equip to do my best, then that sort of freedom can't be taken away by someone else or something else. Um, and that sort of freedom was really kind of inspiring to them. They all agree that, they, hey, yeah, I know that's, that's the type of freedom that's good to think about. That's the type of freedom um, that it's good to talk about and good to, to aim for. And I said, well, but how often have you actually done that in uh, or done that sort of thinking in your education so far? Absolutely. Yeah. And what do you think the answer was? Uh, very few or little. Uh, yeah, essentially none of them. Yep. Now, mind you, maybe they've been taught that and uh, they weren't listening that day. Uh, that certainly can happen. But yeah, I, I said to them, well, I, I apologize to you on behalf of the American education system. <laughs> because we, we, we failed to form you. And, th- and this is an important aspect of your humanity is to consider uh, things in their nature, in their essence, what they are in themselves, not just in their senses. And I think farther that that goes back to uh, this this loss of of confidence in the ability of reason to know things mm-hmm. and of themselves, and and that also has a long historical intellectual pedigree uh, that that we can only know things. Uh, and where we're at today is that we can only know things from our perspective, so that that you know. Even though we don't live out, we've, we've talked about relativism before, even though we really don't live our lives, most of us as full-blown relativists, still relativism, not just on morality, but but when it comes to, to truth in general, uh, has really become uh, dominant in the air that we, the cultural air that we breathe. And, and so we, we, we see this point where, well, I can't really know the truth of things, um, myself, uh, I'm limited from my own perspective. Um, Now, there is some truth to the fact that, yeah, maybe I can't know something completely comprehensively, but we would say, as as Catholics, following the the intellectual tradition that predates Christianity, uh, particularly through, you know, the the Greeks and the Romans, the the philosophers of old, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, and so on, uh, we would say that maybe we cannot know things completely, but we can still know things that are true about the world around us. We can still come to some true knowledge of the essence of things, as you were saying earlier. And, and today, Father, I think that's, that's, that, that's not believed, that we've lost confidence in, in our ability to, to reason in that way. Right, and I think we could even think of that, you know, so listeners, if you don't understand the word relativism, or it seems like a bit of a bugaboo, you know, just, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, just kind of some boogeyman hanging out there that no one really knows what it is. Um, the, uh, um, the other way to think about it might be that sort of pessimism. Yes. Right? Uh, that I'm pessimistic to actually knowing uh, anything about uh, reality. Right. 
Uh, so uh, again, uh, w- w- the context that Father and I are bringing this up is you, you need to be aware of this when when you seek to bring Christ to our culture. Yeah. Uh, we need to be aware of the fact that many people, because I think Father, in my my own thinking back to the time, particularly of my reversion um, in my undergraduate days, um, I, I really sought to to take a very rationalist approach in, in a good way, uh, but, but a, a rational approach to explaining and defending and arguing on behalf of the Catholic faith uh, with others. But, but I was, I was unaware of the sorts of things that we're talking about today um, to the point where it was really being ineffective. You know, I was, I was uh, using arguments that were just unintelligible or, or, or the, what they presumed uh, was unintelligible to the people that I was talking with. So this, this goes back to the need, if, you're going to, if we're going to successfully bring Christ to the people that we know and love, um, th- then we need to be aware of the cultural air in which, uh, that they breathe and in which they move, right? Right. And so then a question becomes um, uh, what to do, Right. You know, uh, do I um, do I then have to before I can talk about Jesus Christ? I have to teach everyone how to think. Um, what do I do? And I think that kind of maybe moves us to our next point of uh, being able to reclaim and use the power of imagination, uh, the power of the appetites, and how do we use uh, that tool which has been so strongly uh, co-opted or so, so strongly came, claimed by um, the uh, um, the uh, uh, by our current culture and by those kind of maybe in opposition to the faith. Absolutely. And this is where, you know, I think it, going to what I was just saying, how I used to approach things back in the day, maybe take maybe taking an overly rationalistic approach and, and, and sort of treating those that I was talking with as, as if they're disembodied intellects rather than whole and complete human beings, both body and soul. And, and the reason that's important, this, this point that, that, that Father just raised um, that, that we want to discuss as well, is that because we are integrated human beings, enfleshed spirits, uh, embodied spirits, spiritual bodies, however you want to put it, uh, our imaginations, um, our, our desires, etc., they're not bad things, they're good things. And, and we can use them uh, to draw others to Christ, to lead them to the truth. If, if, if maybe the intellectual approach isn't working because of the cultural air, the cultural moment in which we live, we can use imagination. And we have to be attentive to the fact that if we don't, somebody else will. Uh, to the, the, to attentive to the fact that the culture in which we live already strongly appeals to our desires, that, that our desires are shaped, our, imagine, our imaginations are formed, both, both appealed to and formed by, by the culture in which we live. And, and Father, to me, uh, perfect examples uh, of, of these are you know, when when you watch TV shows actually on TV, um, every you know, what I don't know, eight, ten, twelve minutes, there's a break for two to four minutes, chock full of people paying millions of dollars um, for advertising, and and Madison Avenue has has become very skilled at appealing to the human at human imagination. Uh, what do you what do you think about that, Father? Well, yeah, I mean. Uh... I, I hope we don't have to prove this uh, point uh, too much, um, but uh, but that it is really, you know, I mean, that's why, uh, who is it, uh, I was reading something about the World Cup, how uh, Fox uh, Sports Broadcasting paid 
uh, you know, how many millions of dollars for the rights to broadcast the World Cup, you know, in 2022. Right. Right. You know, because they're confident they're going to get that back more in advertising dollars they'll be able to sell. Exactly. And because the advertisers or the companies that they work for are confident they'll recoup it through this, their own sales because we watch the darn ads. Right. So, so there's, you know, there's that fact out there. And so how do we respond? You know, one of the things that we, we've talked about recently, Father, is, is how to counter the culture. And it's not necessarily by negating what the culture is doing, by, but by using it in a different way. Uh, and so when it comes to this, I, I think that one thing we need to be attentive to um, and, and, and something we're blessed with is the beautiful liturgical tradition of, of the Catholic faith. You know, the, the, the reason the Mass um, is full of ritual and symbols um, is, is is speaks to us on many levels is precisely because of 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 the churches and ultimately God's recognition that that we have imaginations and that we have desires and what we what we need to do is form our imagination form our desires liturgically by 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 allowing us to by, by entering in more deeply and allowing the liturgy to shape us. You think that's a fair way to put it? That's a great way to put it, Dr. Bergwald, to allow uh, the, uh, the images and the sensations of Catholic culture to form us. And that's kind of one of the lies right now in our culture. We say, hey, you're just free to do whatever you want. Right. You know, and, and we're just responding to the needs of the masses. Well, you know, that's a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> um, what do you mean? Well, I, I remember there was, a, there was a PBS special about this back in 2002, so it's a long time ago, dear friends, from their uh, investigative reporter's front line. And it's called Merchants of Cool. Oh, yeah. Merchants of Cool. You've seen that, Dr. I, you know, I've, I've heard of it. Maybe I've talked about it. I've talked about it before. But just to, and it was looking into uh, MTV especially and some other so-called youth culture movements and how so many of these things of this so-called uh, youth culture movements in those days, uh, Britney Spears or uh, things like that, that they're actually uh, were artificially, you know, foisted upon. You know, they did some research and things, but they, they said, you know, this is the way we can manipulate um, young women and young men and the parents who support them into uh, supporting these efforts in that way and, and that we can make money in this regard. Absolutely. And so this idea of uh, this, this free market, in a sense, in which uh, people's own appetites can be expressed is really quite false when you look at it, when you, when you look at them, and then going back to the advertising example. Um, but really, they're forming our appetites, teaching us what to want. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're not. They're, they're, it, that's a great way to put it. They're teaching us what to want. They're shaping our desires. Uh, I remember uh, this, this, and this has been going on for a long time. You know, Henry Ford, I think with a Model T, that was basically yeah. the perfect car, and, and he never updated it. And it was, I can't remember the guy's name, but the, the, the founder of Chevrolet, who came up with the brilliant idea uh, from a dollars and cents perspective for automobile makers to ch- make changes to the model from year to year to and then entice people to get the latest and the greatest. And Father, we see that the iPhone 5C and 5S, I've got to have one. You know, I mean, we, again, our, our, our culture has this down to a T of, of exploiting and shaping our wants and our desires. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I think about I also think about the uh, Henry Ford uh, comment: "You can have any color you want, so long as it's black." Exactly, and that's you know, I mean, Ford was you know obviously did great things in terms of uh, the assembly line approach to making cars, but apparently uh, a marketing guru he wasn't. Yes. So, 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 as a, so that's what's going on in the culture. Then, Father, is there what more can we say about how to counter that through our liturgical tradition? How do how do we do that? Any ideas on concretely how do we allow? How does the liturgy shape us? How do we allow the liturgy to shape our desires rather than the culture? Well, um, that's that's a complex question for uh, uh, towards the end of our our episode. Uh-huh. I'm so mean. Yeah, it is. But I think uh, encouraging your priest and, and helping to equip your priest uh, to make sure that the Mass is beautifully celebrated, I think one of the temptations for us is to make it relevant, right, or contemporary, or even better than relevant or contemporary, contempervent. Yes. Um, but that that isn't necessarily the right way to go for the liturgy for the Mass, but rather to just seek to make it, to find timeless beauty. Um, there are certain things that we still recognize as timeless beauty, timeless goodness. Um, that isn't so much dependent upon the um, desires of a particular age. You know, and so get in the choir, uh, help train altar servers to do it with order and precision and, ca- and caution. Encourage older children to be altar servers so your priest could use incense to engage smells. Um, all sorts of uh, small, fun thoughts like that. Yeah, so I, 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 you make a great point there. Um, with with relevant and contemporary, the danger is that we're just reinforcing our the, our misformed imagination that's been shaped by the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, if we, if, we, if 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 the culture is, as as it is, the culture is shaping our desires and our imagination. So if we're trying to be relevant and contemporary, we're just reinforcing that malformation. Uh, so instead, that's why, again, the, the, what you were just saying, the idea of timeless beauty, which is we're made for that. We're made, you know, God has, has given this this desire for himself. He is the timeless beauty uh, par excellence. And and so if, if, if we encounter him through the liturgy and if the symbolism, the ritual, et cetera, of the liturgy, uh, if we allow that to speak on its own terms, it can properly form our spirit properly form us um, to to uh, well to form and shape our desires our imaginations the way that we want them to be as as Christians right right with that purposefulness with an intentionality in that regard and it's important for parents to think about their children in that regard as well yeah and so I think you know a very simple thing some silence you know including maybe some silent this time just a few seconds especially with kids uh of silence as part of your your family prayer because silence is definitely countercultural today right father right but it's not good when making an audio broadcast exactly you got to fill we've got to fill them all Fill them all, Father. Fill them all. No dead air. No dead air. So with that, we will draw this episode of Ignition to a close. Uh, Once again, contact information, my email address, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.